Mr. Finley, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, Tom. How are you? I'm good, man. Gosh, it's uh, we've uh, taken we've had a bit of a hiatus here. It's been a while since we've done an episode, and I'm uh, I'm excited to be back. Well, the astute among our listeners may have noticed something uh, mm-hmm. transpiring recently, and that is that you suddenly have 50 new episodes available to you. And let me explain. Please, please, we had ex- Joseph. In- we had intended. Did you explain where those 50 new episodes came from? <laughs> I think it was around Thanksgiving when we did our 50th <laughs> Patreon episode. Mm-hmm. And at that point, we decided that was probably enough. We were going to shut down the Patreon side, which we did, and mm-hmm. let our Patreon subscribers know. And we sent them some sweet, sweet swag. Mm-hmm. Or is it swag? I guess it's swag. It's swag. And by the way, I think we'll put, put up a Redbubble page later on. You can buy some from us if you like. That's true. And so they got some gifts from us and a thank you. And we let them know that we were going to take a few months off and then kind of release the Patreon to the public. And they release the generally okay with that uh, since they were supporters of the art any, arts anyway. In fact, I don't know that any of them responded. That's true. And so that's on you, Patreon, yeah. former mm-hmm. Patreon people. Mm-hmm. So I went ahead and relabeled them and set the timer for them to be released. We thought on February 14th, a sweet, sweet Valentine's Day present, if you right. will. But proving that love is eternal. They were released immediately. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay, because we're yeah, recording this on January 16th, and January 21st may bring no infrastructure at all in Absolutely. this country. Absolutely. You're so listening to this in the wasteland. Enjoy a Red Dawn style <laughs> on some sort of computer I, 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 network. I, I'm more on, uh, I'm more on uh, Mad Max. I'm in, I'm in the Mad Max area. You are here. a Mad Max type. I'm more of a Red Dawn guy, because I like America, you just like You just like peeing in radiators. That's all. Mm. So, I do. That's true. Peeing. Well, that's what you thought I was doing. Mm-hmm. So anyway, you have 50 <laughs> episodes up the works. suddenly to digest, <laughs> and here we are doing another one. Um, so if you noticed a huge influx in your uh, Finley's on Film episodes, that's the thing. Your inbox. Yeah, just spend the next week Fill listening to, to <laughs> okay. Podcast. Finley's episodes, and you are welcome. Bringing you the hottest in Finley podcast. <laughs> What you, the fuck? All right. You, I have a. Uh, do you remember the first beer you ever drank? Uh, I do, actually. What was it? It was a Coors, mm-hmm. and I drank a, a six pack uh, with our house guest who apparently didn't know you shouldn't let a 12 year old drink a whole six pack. And I think I complained about my life or something. I, I got, I got snake faced on, I think, I think three cores. And yep. yeah, then I complained about how hard it was being, you know, a 13 year old. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and of course, he never stopped laughing, you know. He, he yeah, was, yeah. He was a tw- I think he was like, I think he was, uh, he was like a 23 year old illegal immigrant coming through our household, which yep. we, we had a bunch of those when I was a kid. Uh, he was a nice guy. Mm-hmm. He's a nice guy, but he's he didn't want to listen to the drunk kid complaining. Yeah, my huh? mom wasn't. I don't think my mom was very happy with it. He was an undocumented Italian, according to our impression here. I imagine. Mom's a man. Oh, it's a lot. You make a nice taco, <laughs> spicy, a spicy, spicy taco. Ah, so I remember uh, my first beer was. A, I think it was about the same age, and it was a sweet, sweet Olympia beer. Oh, out yeah. of Olympia, okay, Washington, right. a, a subpar beer to be sure. Very watery. Wait, no, 
hold on. Let me back up. I did drink some of my dad's beer, but like the first beer that I ever drank, like the whole beer. Oh, okay. Was was that one? But yeah, my dad. That was his brand for the longest time. Yeah, and even said it's in the water. I think on the label, and it was just mostly water. I think that's why. But yeah. I I think most people our age, um, that's their first beer experience. It's kind of a shitty subpar beer. And I will say this that. Um, as we get older and then the, the generations of beer sort of evolve, I suppose, it goes in two directions beyond your Olympia or Coors, and that's the craft beer movement came oh, along. Good Lord. Well, wait, don't roll your eyes because I think there's, there's two paths there, too. I think the mm, good okay. craft beers yeah, are yeah, yeah. undeniably much, much better than anything we were drinking when we were early, like Coors or... No, yeah, not, not a doubt at all. Now, now, there's the other level where you're like, holy shit, cappuccino, whipped cream, donut, craft beer, go fuck yourself. I'm going to say there are three levels then, because okay. you're, you're right about that. Oh, this, ooh, this ta- my beer tastes like peaches. I, I, what do you, I don't know what that means. Yeah. Uh, but the one I, re- I, but I'm also, I'm just done with IPAs. I got to be honest. I, I right. was never a big fan of the overly hoppy beer and yeah. like the, the, you know, the, let's, let's make your, let's make your tongue crawl back into your throat. Yeah. Like bitter beer. Like, oh, I, don't, I just sours. don't get it. Yeah. I, sour is fine. I like, I like some of the more creative things that they do, like a good Hefeweizen or this or that, you know, mm. that's fine. I don't mm. have a problem with that, but. It's just a. It's like the, like you said the the cotton candy flavored beer and the uh, and the super bitter. Wait a minute, Tom. Our analytics are coming in, and Germany has just removed itself from our analytics map for some reason. Right. I I can't quite figure out, but but yeah. So so I mean, it's like we can agree that like the craft beer movement was a good movement, and then because it's run by human beings, it's just sort of like uh, there's all the potential for douchebaggery. Uh, yeah. So yeah. I mentioned this over any over any uh, period uh, of infinite time. Like humans will turn something cunty. That's just how we roll. I mentioned this because for Christmas I was gifted by my stepdaughter with a subscription to the Criterion Collection, mm-hmm. and we've now gone from Speaking Schlitz to a craft beer potential episode. <laughs> and the problem is potential. We have to look out for Tom. Is I'm going wild, and, and I think you are too uh, on the, this Criterion thing because there are so many cool things. Yeah, yeah. But the temptation is going to be like, I, don't worry, good listener. It's not going to be like a Romanian director's 1970. Six cult probably classic. Will. Well, At let's some temper point ourselves. We'll, you know, <laughs> let's temper ourselves. Let's remember our Schlitz Oli Coors no, roots. You, and do, yeah, but you and I love love our douchey. We, well, so we, let's. I know we do get douchey. That's that's definitely a thing that's that's characteristic of us. Yeah, and so now we have the tools to do so. Right, hard. but what I'm saying is let's not. And each time I'm saying let's not, you're like, but we do. But let's not. Okay, we have control over that. Yes, we do. Okay. A good visual, Tom. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was going for the you can't hear it, but it's when went in there. It was very well done. All right. So so here so here's the craft beer uh, initial criterion inspired episode, and that is Elam Klimov. Yes. The great I and I'm I'm gathering great, although I'd never heard of him before, um, Soviet era. Director, yes, tremendous. Yeah, I mean the 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 other great Russian director, I suppose you could say uh, after Eisenstein. Yeah, mm. right, something like that. I mean, I, really I don't, don't know. I don't, I don't know either because honestly, I don't know enough about Russian cinema. That's one thing I found out watching these movies. By the way, yeah, yeah, is yeah. How little I sort of knew. Well, there's no about reason it. to know because Eisenstein's like the the 20s and 30s yeah. uh, into the 40s, actually, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, so we're not seeing most Soviet. 
produced cinema right, in the this, West this until is, like 1989. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's just Khrushchev era, Khrushchev era stuff that we're going to be talking about today. In the 60s. In the 60s, yeah. yeah. But, but here, but I got to say this. What's really interesting is when you got the Criterion Collection, I was super excited because there's this other movie that I've been wanting to see for a long time. And I didn't realize it was the same director, but it was from 1985. Oh, so, okay. Come and see. That supposedly is like one of the darkest movies ever made. It's about World War II. And like it's one of those it's one of those things where like the um, like the filming of it is as, is as legendary as the movie itself. Because like apparently, oh the, wait, the, the is main... this the guy who made people stay in a villa like a, yeah. a, a village for eight years? Yeah, he lost his mind. Right. That by the way, that apparently is not um, a a totally uncommon like method directing. They did it with Blue Valentine. They've done it with other movies where for like six months Apocalypse Now. People right. live in a situation. Yeah. But this guy apparently created a town. You had to live in it for like and it ended up being like eight or ten years or something. The, the 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 main the lead from the movie has never like physically or emotionally recovered. That's Elon Klimov. That's him. Oh which is interesting because if you look at the movies we're gonna be talking about today, you never I never would have made that connection. No. In a million fucking years. No, because <laughs> so. these are, well, I, I think, yeah, not to shoot our load too quickly, but I think oh. one of the things I want to say is, especially the first movie, but really both of them, joy. And yeah. that's not something I usually say, like, I found joy in this movie. I find yeah. everything, I just was joyful. Yeah, the, particularly the first movie. Particularly the first one. There, there was no, I mean, I laughed out loud at what, what are essentially well. corny, like corny, <laughs> a lot of corny kids sort of stuff. But it was like, but not it was corny. well executed. You know, like super well executed. You know, yeah. in a sense, you could say that it was almost like a, like a children's animal house. In a sense, this movie. Well, I, I have I a could, different uh, right or comparison. The animal house is a, is a shitty grown up version of this. No, no, no. I have a different comparison, and I'll reveal it la uh, later because I think you're going to hate this comparison. But I don't know how it can be avoided. But hold on, the film is called mm -hmm. Welcome, Comma. Or no, no trespassing, trespassing from 1964. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and by the way, that's that. That's how the movie opens. It shows you there's a gate, yeah. and there's there's welcome is written over the top in big bold letters, and then no trespassing below it. And that's the first joke of the movie, and it's a pretty damn effective joke. It's pretty funny. It's so so okay. So this movie, the premise is. Oh, I know where you're going. I know. I know the one you're going to compare it to. But go on. Oh, uh, write it down. Do you have a pen? No, no, I do not. But uh, I know what it, uh, okay, but just be, a scout, you know, honor system. Right. Okay. Okay, so so it, it opens in a, a Soviet, like, summer camp for kids. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, I was expecting immediately that it would be, um, you know, a, a sort of indoctrination camp. <laughs> right, right, And right. It, by the way, it's not not and precisely that either. It is, but it kind of, right. What but, you immediately realize is that I guess every summer camp is an indoctrination camp in a way. Yeah. It yeah. has the hapless owner slash main counselor. <laughs> right. Who I loved in this movie. Oh, he was really well. He did it really well. He, he was oh, interesting yeah. because he was also, because, yeah, he was he was kind of a prick. Again, my Dean Wormer uh, stands for him. But at the same time, he was, he was a much nicer person than Dean Wormer. Zero. Zero point, Mr. Blutowski. Zero <laughs> point zero. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. You just call me Bluto. Oh, not you, sir. Yeah, no, but he, he's definitely warmer than Dean Warmer. Yeah, right. Is it Warner, right? Dean warmer. Warner from Animal House because... It's warmer, um, but we call he's him. He's not precisely the enemy. You no. can understand in this movie that, that his, his role as the enemy is just the vehicle. Because there are times when you empathize with this guy. Yeah, absolutely. And then other times, of course, you're rooting against him, but only in a playful way. Because he is he's fulfilling the role mm -hmm. of, you know... Um, 
the governor, right? The, the yeah. brakes on all the fun. Yeah, he's a guy right? who's got a, he's a guy who's got to control everything. He's a guy who fills out the insurance form at the end of the day if somebody gets hurt or whatever. So and he has to look so, good in front of not only parents, but it becomes later on clear that there's a particular parent of high status in like the Soviet, uh, you know, a government or something, right. who has a kid there who he really wants to impress with the efficiency of his camp. Right, right. Well, yes, how, how everything is very artsy, and even though it's not at all in in, in, in many senses. Oh, but, the camp itself is ridiculous. The walkway. <laughs> has like like boy and girl like heroes yeah 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 well in the, okay so we the opening shot of this of this entire movie is a bunch of children being allowed to swim for a very short period of time right surrounded by uh but like a like a like a net like there's there's yeah. a little there's a net that the uh, that the grown-ups are holding to keep it's a them. volleyball net yeah it's a volleyball net yeah. right right and they're they're, they're uh, so they're so the kids are, are frolicking they get seven minutes of frolic or yeah, whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. in uh, in knee deep water and then uh but and, and they're being sheltered by this fucking net held across because across the way is like the other side shall we say the west berlin side if you will Maybe. of the topography but, it, but, it, but it, it, it is a place of it is a place where discipline isn't required of mirth You're right it's a peninsula of mirth and and the whole thing sort of revolves around this one kid because as as, as the children are, are brought back like in this horrible you know they have this, this this kind of crazy system of counting everybody's shoes and then counting the children i don't yeah, know right well, i don't know why that <laughs> seems smarter than the other but but immediately with with the net of the shoe counting sorry to, to ruin your flow there but, but with the shoe counting and the net it's not just that the concept it's the execution with the camera work back and forth that just makes it immediately like all the whimsy of a good musical without all the dread of the actual music there was a klimov in general i think runs he he works in like an almost dr seussian sort of a world like mm. there's a like whimsy i think is a, is a good way to put it but there's like there's a ma- there's a magical realism maybe is what it is there's a magical realism quality yeah. to both of the movies we're going to be talking about today oh, this yeah. first one is very heavy on this one you know the sort of the innocence and, and, and of children and all that. It's kind more of consistent stuff. than the other one. Although the other one the might other be one, more absurd in a way. Yeah, yeah. But both, it's more consistent. But they both they both tangle. They they both dip their toes into absurdism for sure. Yeah, you know? and they, that's where that's that's the heart and soul of what of what's going on here. So so okay. So opening scene they, again. They've got this <laughs> volleyball net, and they're like they notice one child is missing, and then look over where the adults are holding the volleyball net. There's a huge hole, like right, right in the middle of the goddamn right, thing, right, right. and there's a child the off in the distance who's gotten away. Yeah, swimming, you know, swimming uh, to, uh, to to uh, to, to an island, right? Yeah. Where happiness might be had, and he's also very good at swimming, and so that's kind of his thing. So there's the, but oh. it's the, it's the, the the protagonist antagonist scene is set right because yeah. now we're on the side of this kid yeah. who's found happiness, but of course is going to be disciplined for finding happiness right. at the hands of this hapless owner counselor who has to enforce <laughs> the policies of Soviet Russia. Oh, I'm sorry, the camp. Right, right. I mean, right. in some ways, it immediately begins to be a little subversive, right? It's absolutely subversive. And I think, uh, according to my reading, it was it was one of these movies. I think it was this one mm-hmm. was originally censored. Like, absolutely, wasn't going to be shown. Uh-huh. And then Khrushchev saw it and said, "Okay." And, and that's how it too got. funny not to show, or maybe yeah, this or, or maybe you no. Know, it's 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 absolutely subversive. It's undeniably not nearly as much as the as second one. As obvious as Brezhnev's eyebrows. Whoa! Yes, or the or the or the dot on. Uh, What's his head? Gorbachev's Gorbachev's California stain. Yeah, Yeah. I think that was Alaska, but okay. Fair enough. Anyways, um, so uh, so Khrushchev said, "Yeah, well, well, whatever, put it out there," and so he did, and you know, and 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 
you know, Bob's your uncle, but more to the point, it's just uh, like you said. There's there's a, there's, a, there's a satirical element to this. It's much gentler in this movie than in the second movie, I think. It, it's joyfully. I mean, it's the way they go about things too, which is like there's this. Um, uh, um, sorry, a kind of out of control, pell mell, like panning of the camera. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that they deal with foreshadowing. I was fooled. I felt like a douche. I was fooled every time that there was some sort of foreshadowing, like the kid was imagining the future. I, every time I was like, oh no. And then he would sort of, you'd realize, oh, he's just imagining this, this potential future calamity happening. Right. And it's informing his moves. This child's imagination thing. So, so what happened? Okay. So the end result is the kid, uh, Klimov, it was a Klimov, I think. Yeah. No, that's the director, dummy. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know what? I'm never going to get any of this. I hate Russian names, anyways. Ivachenko, whatever. Anyways. Yeah. So basically, he gets sent home from the camp. It's a pioneer camp, by the way. So, in a sense, it's like our summer camp, but it's more. That it's it's sort of somewhere between Hitler Youth and, and Boy Scouts. I don't Inoshkin know. Inoshkin is the character's Inoshkin, name. Inoshkin, yes, yes, Inoshkin. Anyways, so but uh, so anyways, he's disciplined by being sent home, right? And so, uh, but uh, like he's he's like at the he's like looking into the train, and he has this flash forward, as you were pointing out, this f- flash forward of um, uh, of. The result of him going home, like his grandmother having a heart attack and dying, and yeah. this whole thing, and it's just like this really kind of like cute little like look into like a child's imagination, and right? And if if you were ever a child, and I'm hoping you were at some point, yeah, you can relate to this. You know, you, oh, yeah. we all had that, that that conflation of things and how how everything is you know bigger and sort of in a cartoony in a cartoony sense that isn't apparent at that time. But you know, later on, there's no repercussion to it. Well, but see, I you have no way of knowing that as a kid. I don't know that I completely agree with with that. And then, not just your assessment of life, but your assessment of how the film is handling it. No, 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 in this sense. Yes, he's exaggerating it when he imagines it. Yes, that's true. But also, one of the important linchpins, let's say, if not premise of this film, and, and it, uh, it's always what has to happen for a film like this to work, is that the kid has to be right and, and the adult has to be a fool. Right. And so it, it could be that he and is... And foolish. Yeah, and foolish and, and, and insecure and all that sort of stuff. And, and so it could be that his fear is somewhat justified. And I think it is kind of justified in the situation because that camp counselor is so rigid in, in his sort of um, um, uh, maintaining his status in front of other adults. Right. That, yes, I mean, obviously the, the kid imagining his grandmother dying is too far. But he understands the consequences are going to be harsh. And they're going to be harsh because the camp owner is such a, a nitwit and right. so insecure himself. Right, 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 right. Yeah, and, and I guess that's made very clear throughout this how much of that is just is driven by this guy's super like his insecurity. Yeah, and what's and, I think, and careerism, I guess you would say as well. One of the things that I think was smart about the writing, the, the creation of characters in this movie, is the actual camp counselors, the in betweens, aren't precisely with their foot in one river or another. Yeah. they belong to the adult camp. You can't exactly trust them, but they themselves are kind of suspicious of the rigidity. Of this this camp owner, yeah, the satirical nature of this the, the the satire comes through a little bit stronger the more you examine it. Doesn't so it? you're hoping that that, that somehow so, the kids will be able to trust them, but you yourself are a little worried that that they'll give tip their hand. And oh, I'm sorry, I'm going ahead. No, like, what's what's so, what so is, okay? So the head so the head guy is like very representative of like old school Stalinist Russia, like you know, like the like the super communist, uh, like the super communist thing. Whereas um, 
the younger counselors are always uh, the one girl in particular, the young woman is always trying to come up with new, new things to do that will be exciting and, yeah. and all this kind of thing. So she represents sort of the new breath of fresh air. And, and she so questions that, things like, why are we doing right, this? Right, right. Which would not have been a thing to do previously. She interrupts the can- counselor. And I remember this, uh, there's a, he says, when lunch is at its peak, I'm dead and mute. So please don't speak. They have all these little sayings right. around the camp about how to keep things efficient, well, but they're ridiculous. And also there's like, there's, there's in place metrics for how much you know how good the kids are having it. <laughs> this guy how much how much weight, how much they've, weight gained they've gained yeah, over yeah. a period of time. And and of course you know uh, the young woman's uh, her particular troop isn't doing so well. They're not gaining weight. You know right. It's, it's yeah yeah. They're not getting fat. They're not getting the, plump enough to show when the parent the parental right. units come back to examine the situation. Right right right. So you know in a sense like the the absurdity is. I don't know, but the thing about it is the absurdity doesn't go too far in this one. No, it, the only thing, and the the very stepdaughter who who got me this Criterion subscription and who I made watch this film later, um, because I knew she would like it because it's so much like somebody else. I know exactly. I do okay, know the movie. yeah. yeah. Um, I'll it, say it right now. Do you want me? Yeah, to? Go ahead. Wes Anderson. I don't know how Wes Moonlight Anderson Kingdom. doesn't cite this guy as an absolute influence. Probably okay. Fair I mean. I mean, whether you like Wes Anderson or not, or feel like he's gone too far, or whatever. There's there's a, a playfulness and a kind of framing of things that yeah, just yeah. seems very similar. But it, anyway, she pointed this out, and I have to agree. <coughs> the only whimsy that could have been pulled back is that little device they use with a dumb kid who kept coming along and saying, "What's going on?" And everyone, get out of here, shut up. And we get that he represents something. It could have been done twice instead of fourteen times. But it's really like. I, I talk, it's this, a setup to that final joke, though. On the yeah, end of the movie, but it could have been the very end of the movie. But it, I, this movie might crack my top twenty. I, I really enjoyed this movie a lot. This is a movie, yeah. This is a movie that you could take on a couple of different ways. I mean, it's not. I mean, this is you know, this is not Battleship Potemkin or anything like that. But this is a movie that you could take from a from a purely the enjoyment of watching a movie. Movie. This yeah. is definitely has got that. It's really. It's just, this movie is fun. Oh, by the way, all my blabbing about stuff, I, I, I kept cutting you off from the summary, but, but it's important to know that the crux of the film is that he goes back to the camp and tries to, has to hide out right, in right. the camp and have all the kids. And I had those have, fantasies. I think, didn't every, every kid have like a, like a fantasy of that, you know? Of like what, a being place, in a, a public space but being hidden from everyone? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. Very like, interesting. Like hiding, uh, you perhaps know. a closet, Tom. Perhaps something that you would stay in until you were ready to come no, out. No, there was too many cocks in there. No, no. <laughs> and they're that all mean! Would not have been it, no. Um, no, I hear you. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I definitely had those we, things. We, I, and I the overall thing, it's like any good movie that's sort of skewed towards kids, it's, it's kids outsmarting the parents, outsmarting the adults. Uh, yeah, and the, the thing with those, those premises, is typically when it has the, the smarts of filmmaker to do what it's supposed to do, which is be on the kid's side, it oftentimes does in such a way that's only condescending anyway. And this film is not condescending. No. Because the kids are smart, but they also have their sort of weird little frailties. They keep making mistakes and, and, and hatching Getting a plan. Getting caught out, right? And, and one of them, which is just hilarious. They don't know that there's a snitch. Yeah. That keeps fucking with their plans and too. That's the, that's the thing I like about this film is that that the idea that it represents the actual workings of Soviet culture in 1964 right. occurred mm-hmm. to me later. I mean, it's not hard for it to occur to you, right. but I was so engaged in in the, the the joy of the film that I wasn't thinking it at the time. I was mm-hmm. merely enjoying it for what it is, and it was it's great. Which, in a sense, sort of underscores how just like given a certain set of circumstances, human behavior is always going to follow a certain pattern, right? 
So the, there's uh, always a snitch. There's always a snitch everywhere. Who told that, you that? Huh? Uh, that was supposed to be a secret, huh? No way. What, what happens in Vegas doesn't necessarily stay there, Tim. What happens in Vegas, yeah, yeah. it stays in Vegas. <laughs> no. Yet? Yet. <laughs> so, Moose and squirrel. So it, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Russian <laughs> listeners. Nah. Um, so, um, yeah, I fucking love this movie. Dude. I, love I loved it, it while I was watching it. I was laughing. And this was, and I'm talking like I got home from, from I, I watched this last night. Yeah. At like two in the morning. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I can see vision it now. I was nude, laughing. I hope. I was actually laughing out loud. And I don't do that from from movies that are like genuinely funny. I internalize laughter when I'm watching movies too. Yeah, I do that all is. the time, but I laughed out loud several oh, yeah. times there. Yeah. yeah. So, and it was just yeah, it was a delight. It was a delightful movie. I think that's the word I will use. Yeah. Delight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Needless I would to. recommend it to anyone. ASAP. Get on it. Get down on it. Yeah. Because we're a brickhead. I, I mean, I, I could talk for a lot more about this movie, but I fear at some point I'll, I'll just be a bad spoiler to every little bit. You know, is there anything else we want to say about this movie? Mm, I'm, it definitely gets the recommend. Okay. All right. Uh, I don't know if that uh, the 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 the. the that high pitched squealing sound is sort of coming through here, uh, but I want you to know that the that's Tom? my penis, so don't worry about it. Right. <laughs> so I almost stepped on your joke. I apologize, Tom. I know. Okay, <laughs> so I got it out quick. You got, yeah, very good. Take very that. good. Sorry. Um, good instinct. So, so the next film, next film is the one that got me on the Klimov, and um, it's it's weird to say like, well, I didn't enjoy this one as much because I loved this next film yeah. too. It's just that that first one was so good. It, yeah, qualitatively, it was much better and on several different levels. First, I don't know if it's a matter of the print or it was like an actually a quality of the cinematography involved are you downing our craft beer equivalent criterion my god tom it was only yesterday we were watching yeah, soviets the, the, the one thing you have to like know about what when watching both of these movies you're like god damn it was a little primitive particularly on the second one First one, I think uh, I, they got much one, more out of their to this tools. After January twenty first, I for one welcome our new Soviet overlords, <laughs> and I think your film stock was brilliant. Yes, uh, an obvious intentional choice. Well, no, but I, but I, but well, okay, maybe, but I think, but I think there's just a quality of like movie making that the Soviets maybe had, where it was more about the story than about. I think American we're, we're really into like cinematography and all that kind of stuff. I think that's just sort of de-emphasized a, a well, good deal. You're, I, the, where you're right about that, in my opinion, and it might have been the technology. Is, is really just about like possible available film stock and equipment. But what he did with it, right, I think, right. is incredible. That's the other thing too. And it's also like working on this, like a shoestring that doesn't it almost doesn't make sense over here. If I can make a terrible analogy, it's like when when Queen made that famous album that has Bohemian Rhapsody on it. They still didn't have a lot of money at that point, but they decided to hang little marshals on ropes and swing them back and forth to get a certain effect. Something right, that yeah. if you had good equipment, I, I would say that's the equivalent here. <laughs> okay, he fair just, enough. You know, yeah. yeah, like, you know, like uh, it's impressive how much, he's get, how much he gets out of this thing, too. So anyway, on to the second movie. Yes. And, uh, um, Adventures of a Dentist. Adventures of a Dentist. From 19, the next year, 1965. This movie is more blatantly absurd. <laughs> it is more blatantly absurd. It's also more blatantly satirical, society yeah. satirical. It's definitely, it's a, it's a hard... It's a hard satire, a harder satire than the first movie. I would say one of the other things is that <clears throat> it, 
essentially really kind of focuses on one person, one character, our, our young dentist, in order to deliver everyone else's ans- an auxiliary character. Right, right. Whereas the first movie, obviously they were main characters, but they all kind of shared the load. If right, you will. right. And they shifted back and forth, and then yeah. certain people to move forward. Whereas the second movie, uh, Adventures of a Dentist, is, is about the dentist himself, really. Or is it? <laughs> well, and society. I mean, it's it's, yeah, it's yeah. like I said. This is really this one's more about human nature. I can see less of a of a Soviet uh, uh, allegory well, I than see, the first one. But I can see, but I can see a harder sort of a thing because yeah, it, there's a certain amount. Of, so okay, so what happens is this young young dentist starts his practice. Turns out this motherfucker can pull teeth like nobody's business. He doesn't need anesthesia. It comes out immediately and it's painless. Well, it's important to note that that he's insecure about starting the position. He doesn't want to because he's sort of barely made it through dental school. He, right. has, he has low self-esteem as a dentist, something mm-hmm. you don't want in your dentist. But yeah, he's able to painlessly and hilariously, in my opinion... With a... Sound almost. Right, right, this sort of weird... Um, Stop motion photography where he he excises teeth right. and and of course the the town loves him. Yes. Well, okay. We will get into that in a second. Because yes. Yes. So 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 the the essence of the 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 essential arc of the movie is that he's got what I I've heard it called tall poppy syndrome. Hmm, what's that? Well, that's that, that that is where everybody where people try to knock you down when you're too you know when you if you're elevated above them they try to pull you back into it. Pull you down. So there's a certain there's a there's a quality of that. Basically, what happens is he's so good, he becomes so popular that nobody wants to see another dentist. So all the other dentists they start hate ganging him. He's up hated on him. They fucking hate his guts. Yeah, yeah. So uh, which of course zombies, but now, but at the same time, like the, the Soviet system did not like more so than most other places. I mean, it's it was actually sort of bureaucratically built into the system to not. Appreciate that tall poppy to to really want to 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 keep everybody. It, it was a, it, the, yep. the 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 essential element, uh, and I think you'll appreciate this. The essential element of trying to maintain a, a truly equal society mm-hmm. means that you fuck with excellence. Uh, Tom, I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> to our new overlords, equity is the future, <laughs> and I think, yeah, no, it, it, yeah, it, yeah, and, and how it and how it and how it it. it Systematizes it, it, just inadequacy across the board. Like that's you know, all the other dentists because not only not only are all the other dentists not great, but the systems in place for going to see another dentist uh, are also horrible and, and terrible and inconvenient. And there's, there's no good. There's no upside to seeing another. Well, dentist but here's the interesting thing. Let me make this case for why what you're saying is true, but it's actually more complex and maybe even a little subversive. Subversive also on the part of Klimov. Because one of the things that happens is he stops innovating. He, he becomes a coward who's unwilling sometimes even to take on patients because he doesn't want to lose his streak. Yeah, yeah right. So in yeah. a way, it's a little bit of a fuck you toward that system of Soviet mm-hmm. equity. Yeah. That yeah. gulagish system of Soviet well, equity. You know, it's I was actually reminded that it, uh, this movie made me re- sort of remember uh, a Solzhenitsyn book I read a long time ago. Did you ever read Cancer Ward? No, I'm working my way through the um, Gulag Archipelago. That's a work through. That's that's rough. The, the Cancer Ward is much easier to get through. It's it's just wonderful, but it's really about much the same thing about mm-hmm. sort of the the like how 
uh, like how that 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 equity system just drives down excellence. Just it, it, excellence can't exist inside of it, you know. But here's what and I, that was endemic to them, and maybe coming endemic to us, our new communist. Yeah, maybe. Now. But here's what I like about both films is that I don't think Klimov is is simply taking a stand against equity gone no, wild no, to the cool no. level. There's there's that sort of warning in it, but he he's careful to sort of weave in both cautionary sides, right? The idea that you have no um, brotherhood, yeah. if you will, is a problem. Right. And the idea that there's a sort of smashing equity is also a problem. So, and it, it, But it's all in the context of films that are like bizarre and hilarious and entertaining, yeah. even if you miss the message they're entertaining. Right. Well, it, it, so, so I, I just, I just want to take, because nothing sounds too absurd in this movie, but let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, first off, apparently every dental problem they had in Russia you could be fixed by extracting a tooth. <laughs> That's it. That's yeah. all. That's all the dentists ever did yep. in Russia. So I mean, there's that quality too. And then there's like, um, there's a couple of sort of like, there's the one main guy who's a Greek chorus who just turns to the camera, breaks the fourth wall, and is basically narrating what's going on. And then there's also the woman who just breaks into songs every once in a while, which I found initially kind of annoying, but then it kind of grew on me a little bit. Yeah, I would she's say not a particularly great music. No, musician. but it's like they're really fun, jaunty um, um, explanations of things that are happening. I, yeah. To me, I would say less Greek chorus and more of like Shakespearean aside, because there's not always a balance of the views that, mm-hmm. that that contextualize, there's just a sort of like, and here's the problem, dear audience. And when it's more serious, or, or we need to take it seriously, we get her father turning without music to the camera saying something. Right. And when it's um, up for grabs, it's in the form of a sort of like Julie Andrews, um, you know, Hills Are Alive chim, chim, type, chim, yeah, chim, chim, like acoustic guitar, a, a blazon yeah. um, explanation. And it's like, what an interesting, fun. Innovative. It's one of the things that like, doesn't exist in in Western movie making, and 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 this movie made me go, why the fuck not? I mean, it it, it didn't <clears throat> hurt it. it. It really didn't hurt it because it's this, not a musical. Just to be clear, it, no, it no, just no. has those, those probably total five minutes of the whole film. The, the closest I could think of that sort of a canon in Western uh, Western cinematography would be like you know the um, the Harbaugh detective voiceover situation. Which a lot of people are kind of like don't like, but right. uh, but this is a, this is an interesting narrative tool that they're using here, right? And right. it's yeah, and and, and, it, and it works too, which is I, I find myself surprised by how much I didn't mind it. Yeah, yeah, more than I you described mind. I it, it delightful. To me, yeah, if you described it to me, I would have minded it in the abstract, but then not yep. in the. I'm not, with you. Not in the moment. I'm with you. This is a. I'm glad I. I you know, maybe we're we're putting our listeners in in a, a situation we didn't want. Well, that <laughs> we were always in danger of doing that. But, but we're in in that like we were kind of like we just sort of came across this stuff, <laughs> mm-hmm. and now we're like, oh, well, we're not going to give you that luxury. <laughs> we're yeah. going to give you a lot of setup here. But uh, yeah, I would say this is. If if that's a, a if the first film's like a, a nine and a half or ten out of ten, I'd give this a strong eight and a half. I mean, it's 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 a strong yeah, film. It's a good movie. Yeah, it's a very good movie. The first one is 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 a sheer delight. I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I I don't want to overemphasize overuse that word, but it's really the only word I can think of that works. It just tickled me. Yeah. Uh, this movie. Uh, it's a great movie. It's an excellent movie. It is an excellent movie. So um, I'm anxious to see, although it's out our uh, outside our purview, uh, off the clock. I'm anxious to see the one from 1985 that you mentioned. Oh yeah, come and yeah, come and see. Come and see. It's supposed to be a dark movie. It's supposed to be. It's, it's supposed to be a movie that will fucking. It, it's like the requiem for a dream of World War II movies. Apparently, it's, it, it'll fuck your day up. Yep. Looking forward to that. Oh, I am. All right. It's exciting. All right. Well, um, what cool. else? 
I think that's it, man. All right. Are we good? Now, Tom's now, he, you're the new engineer. Do you know how to stop this? I, I, water. Right? I put this in water. Right? That's it, buddy. Okay. All right. Well, I'll see you next time. <laughs> All right, man. Take care. Bye. And then.